0: So you mentioned just a second ago the ne'er-do-wells show, and I, I wasn't able to make it,
1: but how'd it go? It was different, but it was good. Me and Abbott and Mikey kind of have, like, a. we've been the only constant members for, like, eight years, but the idea has kind of just been, like, you know, hard rock, you know, songs about drinking and stuff, and but there has to be, like, banjos and stuff in it. So, it's, I mean, that's pretty open-ended. So you can go literally anywhere with it and i do like a lot of like crazy like 80s rock guitar lead stuff and and we have just over the top background vocals like me and mikey just like screaming these like really weird falsettos like i got my wife me to own and uh and i mean it's just a really fun band so i i was i was really excited just to just to revisit that four or five years later but the show went fantastically. We've got Little Bo, uh, Ronnie Lee Gibson on auxiliary crazy League guitar. We've got Bernard Vaone, uh, who I'm in a Zydeco band with, playing a uh, fiddle through a you know tube amp and with a wah pedal. I mean, there's there's all kinds of crazy stuff going
0: on. So you're talking in present tense about the ne'er-do-wells. I mean, are you guys yeah. gonna keep playing? Oh again? yeah, we're playing. We're gonna play again. So is that the first time in you said like five years that you'd played? Uh,
1: yeah, since it was like the actual narrative. We did like a set with Abbott on bass and me on guitar. And then we did a set like like uh, a long time ago. Uh, and then we did a set with uh, maybe three or four years ago, a set with Abbott playing banjo and me on guitar and Lil Bo played bass. Uh, but having Bryant back in the, like when I started talking about it, like Bryant Facebook messaged me like immediately, Bryant Saxon. He wanted to play bass. And I was like, yeah, the more the merrier. Because I'd kind of already told Little Bo, you know, we're 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 gonna do this. You want to play bass? And he was like, Yeah, absolutely. Because he liked it. And then I was like, Hey, you can just play guitar now.
0: Yeah, I remember Bryant back when I was in college. He was uh-huh. there at the same time, and I, I was in like a political science class with him. And the thing I remember about him was he was a musician, but he was also sort of a manager of some bands.
1: Yeah, yeah. He would do, he would act as like manager for like Bach Guai. Right. And he just he just never really until as a musician, I would see him around like maybe sitting in with like an indie rock band on like a keyboard or something like that. And maybe playing bass with somebody, but it would be a band and it would be like a one-off show. And he just seemed to have like, there was so much like just on the surface personality with Bryant. And you knew that there was just, there was just something, I mean like he was a cool guy to hang out with, but until he started playing with the narrative wells, I didn't really, I didn't really like get a, Oh, like I just couldn't wrap my head around him. And when he started playing with us, he's like so much fun to hang out with and you know, he's he's a good musician, he's he's good and solid.
0: But what is a like for the local scene? Uh-huh. What is it, what can a band manager do on the local scene for bands I don't, I don't think you he can here. do
1: much except for like hang out and make sure that you know the band gets a bar tab and and you know a little bit of money.
0: Books gigs too, yeah. maybe.
1: And you know, now that it's now that it's now that everything's through email, maybe it's just like contacting clubs out of town. And making sure that, it, that that a circuit runs because I mean the Alabama Shakes broke primarily for, through their their manager I think but I mean I don't know that's not my that's that's not anything that I know anything about I mean they they were you know one minute they were playing Egan's and then the next minute they were on a commercial and then the next minute they were at the Grammys you know yeah that ha- that happened so fast oh it was and, that, the, and it's never happened like that for anybody I've ever known
0: yeah it was it was insane and they mm. were at the White House last week I know I know like I, I watched the clip and. President Obama said the words "Alabama shakes," and it just it blew my mind because, like you said, these guys were playing Bo Hicks' birthday party at Egan's not too long ago, and they weren't even headlining that. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, and here they are. And there's and there's a there's a picture of her from that visit to the White House. She's she's sitting with Sam Moore from from Sam and Dave. <laughs> she's like sitting on a couch with him. Like it was on her Facebook page. She's like so, she's so like Britney's just just can't believe that 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 this is this is real. Bo's still real good friends with them. It's just it's it's so fast that, that they don't even know what to think of it. They still want to hang out with everybody. Yeah. I mean they played the you know, we had
0: mentioned before they they did the surprise show at Egan's yeah. And so that's kind of nice to see. Like I mean it seems like if something happened that fast, maybe it happened a little too fast for it to go to their heads. Mm. But not saying that it would anyway, because the few minutes I've spent like maybe backstage or something when they're not playing, they seem like good people. But you never know in the industry, I don't know. it just seems like as fast as you rise and you're playing the Grammys in the White House, and you're doing all this stuff and you're on soundtracks for major movies and stuff, yeah it, it seems like playing a secret show at Egan's like the next week would be the last thing on your list to do.
1: yeah, and I think that that part of that is is them you know really appreciating the people who were there early on, even though the early on period. Was very brief. Yeah, like they love Tuscaloosa. They talk about it all the time. You know, I think that that speaks to you know where they're from and everything else. They're they're from a small town, and they know and, and you know they they know what they know what it's like to be. Small town people, and this big world is kind of is kind of something like I don't really know where I'm going with this. I'm on a tangent already. I mean, if you go
0: from <laughs> you go from Athens to where they are now. Athens is not a yeah. large town in oh, Alabama, yeah. and that's where they came from.
1: Uh huh. And then you and then you come and then you come back to and then you come back. You know, you, you play you play shows in Tuscaloosa, you play shows in Birmingham or whatever else, and then you're playing at the White House. You know, it. I, I bet it would. I, it would be. It would be like you don't want people to think that you're you know, too fancy or too cool to to come back and and hang out with the crowd at Egan's, you know?
0: Yeah, and not to spend too much time on Alabama Shakes or anything. Like, I'm a fan of their music. I think it works. Like, I actually dig the music. And I know that there's this whole theory about bandwagon fans in Alabama, or just in Mm -hmm. general now that they've gotten as big as they are. But I am sort of hearing rumblings from the music community. It's not that they're not happy for them. Mm -hmm. It's just how fast it happened. And well, I mean, you can't begrudge them that. Right. But some probably do, right? I mean, have oh, you heard there's, any- some,
1: there's you- some musicians around that I'm, I, I mean, I know musicians. I mean, there's musicians, there there are bound to be musicians around, especially like, nah, I mean, maybe not around here. Because, I mean, we've. I think that all, like the older guys around town have tried to foster a little bit, bit more of a supportive attitude for people and, and, and hoping the best for everybody. Because we're all kind of in this together and, and not everybody's going to make it huge. And, you know, the only thing that we can do is hope that we can eventually make a living doing it. And that would be a great thing. And, and, and you know, if if the stars all aligned and everything's cool, then you want to be you want to be tremendous. You right. Know? You want as many people to hear
0: it as possible. Right. Because if this was happening to you, you would mm-hmm. want that kind of support. Yeah. And they got it too while they were in Tuscaloosa, and they yeah. they they reciprocated it. too. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Imagine. That's the thing. I mean, if they had just if they had just been like, "All right, thanks for your thanks for your support, and thanks for your time, and thanks for all the cool David Smith pictures," and we're out, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The David it, Smith picture in Rolling it, it, Stone. It seems like that. <laughs> it seems like that same David Smith photo yeah. is still going.
1: Oh yeah, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, even when they yeah even though they're in Rolling Stone or in their, these other magazines and all these major websites, you still see that David Smith photo.
1: Yeah, I know. I I mean, David Smith. I I would not. I mean, I I I like it when other photographers are at my shows. But man, it just it just feels good when
0: David's taking pictures. He rocks it, man. I know. Yeah. If I were a musician, I would like. I I wish that he would take pictures of me recording a podcast. You know (laughs) what I mean? Or like writing an article or something like that. Yeah. Like like he does for musicians. But you mentioned this supportive environment in mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa and that you guys foster that. And I think that you obviously play a big part in it and that you've been in Tuscaloosa for a while. You could consider yourself a veteran of mm-hmm. the Tuscaloosa music scene, but you also host this open mic night where the whole idea is to give people a stage, give them a platform and let them do their thing. How's that going right now?
1: Man, it's going real well. It's going better than it's ever gone. For the last, for. Oh man, it's been almost a year. I can't believe it. But we've been, we moved it to... Because the venue that we that that uh, that we started back up, open mic. Because I've been doing it for a long time, but but we you know we had to take some time off. I had to get a, had to get a night job and pay the bills for a little while while Lisa was still in school. So I, I did that, and then she graduated, and then I, and then that job was over because it was a temporary thing anyway. It was a contract thing at the VA, so it was a it was a good job. It just wasn't going to last forever, and I knew it. And so Brandon Walker was running sound at, at Green Bar, and he said, "Well, you need to start doing an open mic again." And and I run sound here, and I can probably hook that up. So I was like, right on. And, you know, I'd done it in that room when it was Little Willie's, like, a few years ago. I mean, time passes so fast now, I don't even know. But years later, I end up back in that same room hosting an open mic on Tuesday nights. And then uh, a few months after that, Brandon was like, we should move it to Wednesday nights when they have $2 pint night. And then this room will never be empty and we can do it forever, you know?
0: Have you found that to be the case?
1: That's, it's ex- it, he was exactly right. You know, the cheap beer is going to bring a lot of people in and nobody likes cheap beer more than musicians. And so there's, I mean, there's just, you know, there's, there's $2 good beers. Come on in. And if you want to, you can play a set. So it's kind of like people want to play, but you know, they also, they, they, they also want to play for an audience. Yeah. So there's people in the room. I can fit about 10 people on the sign up list for the most part, because we have to close by 1245. We have to be over, we have to have our show over around then. So I can fit about 10 acts on every Wednesday. And a few weeks ago, the list was full. Ten people had signed up in like six minutes. As soon as I put the, I put it down. I walked away. I came back six minutes later, and the list was
0: full. So participation <laughs> is not an issue for you.
1: Yeah, it's great,
0: and you can count on it every week.
1: You'd say? Yeah, absolutely. Is I mean, it a, is it and every week? Yeah, it's every week, and, and sometimes it's sometimes it's completely new people, and sometimes it's it's people who are just there every week. You know, so, Tom Ziler's there a lot. I mean, Dan Turner's there a lot, and you know, Little Bo plays bass with him. Michael Ray and Mike London are the house band, and with me, you know. Do you
0: have anything in mind for an open mic night? Something that you'd like to see, or is it something different every single time?
1: Well, we've got we've got a wide variety of music, and I had to make it like I had to make it specific. Like this is just music night because we were having comedians show up, and I love those guys. But <laughs> you know, I, I helped them. I I tried to help them get their own uh, their own night, and I think they've got a showcase every other Thursday right. now, and it's working out well for it's working out well for them. For from what I can tell, I think they're I think they're happy. But you know, I, I let Richard do a set and Matt Lamb do a set one night. I think is is. If, if, if I'm remembering correctly. And the next week, like, seven comedians showed up. Oh, and I was man. like, dude, there's no way I can give y'all all time.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I know.
1: mean, I want it to be, like, I wanted to be, like, a crazy, like, variety show. I want there to be, like, <laughs> jugglers and, like, uh, you know, like, like, knife throwing and, like, all kinds, you know, just corny clown stuff with pies in the face. Yeah, and, fire breathing. Yeah, yeah. slide whistles and... <laughs>
0: <laughs> get, get, you know, the burlesque show up there, too. Yeah, I know, no. they, they wouldn't mind. Absolutely. No, that sounds great. Yeah, I've been to a few of those comedy shows. Well, back when it was an open mic, and now that they're doing this, I think it's called the Beer and Shenanigans Showcase. Yeah, yeah. Interesting that now Tuscaloosa, for the first time, and as long as I can remember, is starting to sort of embrace, or at least some people, this little sect of people, are embracing this stand-up comedy thing yeah. in town.
1: Well, open mics are in, like, every town. But, like, uh, comedians are... Yeah, I mean, obviously there's comedians in every town, too, but they're driving from as far as as Mississippi sometimes just to get five minutes in Birmingham, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. And that's hard.
1: That's way harder than what I do.
0: Oh, you know, there are people who are up there, and obviously these are amateurs. Some of them are pursuing a professional career in Mm -hmm. it, and you can tell, and you can tell that they spend time on their bit, and they work on it, and they work on their timing. And there are some people who get up there and just read off of their hand yeah. And they, they bomb occasionally. And even the people who prepare material, because the city's not necessarily used to stand-up comedy, we don't see enough well, of it.
1: Well, our, our
0: version is what you see on TV. Right. And those guys have been doing it for 20 years. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But, yeah, the city's just not, again, they're not really used to it. We don't have, is not a stand-up town. Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll change pretty soon. But the fact that even if they bomb and they don't get the response from this audience, the fact that they're up there and doing it, that speaks for itself to me. I mean that stand-up comedy to me is one of the hardest things you could do. Oh yeah, I,
1: I have I have way I have a ton of respect for for all those guys because my brother-in-law does it, and I mean I've seen him you know I, I've seen him a few times when we go up to Ohio and he came whenever they come down he tries to get we got him some time over at uh at when it was Chine- or it was uh when we were doing it right before open mic open mic we were doing that and then. Keith did a few, did five minutes at one of those, I guess. But man, it was a, it, it, it's odd. Like it's not the same thing. Like you can be a really bad musician, and and people will just dote on you. And <laughs> why do you think that is? I have no idea. I mean, you can be pretty bad, and people will just be like, I don't know why this guy is gonna keep playing. Music. What's
0: your definition of pretty bad, though? Because I think you and I have very different ideas of that. Well, I think
1: you've got, I think you've got to think like, like musically, like. If you're a songwriter, you have a lot more leeway as far as like a, like the how euphonious your how, how nice your voice sounds or anything like that. Like Bob Dylan doesn't have like a doesn't have like a very like the quality of the tone of his voice. Willie Nelson the tone of his voice doesn't sound like a you know like a Pavarotti or anything. But they get away with it because they they write amazing songs and you know as far as the pitch goes, they're on key. I mean they they're singing right. <laughs> they just don't sound. They, they're not what you think of when you think of virtuoso like
0: singers. You, right. They're, they're not. They're not Sinatra. They're not
1: Freddie Mercury. You know. <laughs> you hear. You hear some people who are. I mean, and I don't want to. I. I'm I never wanted it to. To be like you know. I think that you should support everybody who, who's trying to do it because it's hard to get on a stage in
0: front of people. It's just tough. No matter what, yeah. and no matter how quote-unquote bad you might be. Yeah,
1: but some people who are what people would call bad, you know why that people that people generally have that opinion of them, you know? Yeah,
0: and as hosts of the open mic night, say if you get someone who is bad, mm-hmm. you think is bad and other people are bad, if they come back the next week and want to get back up on stage, do you let them or do you oh, say? Oh, absolutely, okay. every time. No,
1: like it doesn't matter. And if they're like, man, these people are really are, are really being hard on me, you know, you just give them something to work on, you know. Just yeah. Look, look, dude, you know, you're trying. I mean, it takes a lot to get up there anyway. Tough. I mean, I, I'd hate it. I, I'd hate being, you know, 14, 15, 16, trying to get on stage again. You know, it's tough. We don't get anybody that young. We get we get 19 year olds sometimes.
0: When was the first time you were on stage? 14. In where? In
1: Tuscaloosa, or where'd you um, where'd you grow up? Well, I was in a, I was in a, See I was in Virginia, I was in Connecticut, I was in Huntsville Coleman, but I think the first time I was on stage was in Connecticut when I was fourteen. Where were you born? I was born in Birmingham. Did you grow up all
0: over the place, or? Yeah, my
1: dad's a priest. Uh-huh. My dad went to seminary when we were when I was nine uh-huh wow. he was a stockbroker and then he and then he wanted to be and then he was called to the priesthood when uh, was that
0: in 87 How old were you then? Nine, nine. So, yeah. did you get that when you were a kid? I mean, him making that professional transition.
1: I not I mean, I was I was upset at first. I, like, I didn't understand it. I was upset, you know. Why but upset? But then, but then, because I mean, I didn't want to leave Birmingham. It's the only place I'd ever been uh, for okay. nine years. And then, and then, what you know, once once you're once you're gone, you know, you're really close to Washington D.C. There's a lot of touristy stuff to do. And yeah. That, you know, being away from Alabama wasn't bad at all. You know, for three years.
0: <laughs> so you grew up in the Episcopalian church. Yeah, yeah. going every Sunday.
1: Yeah, every Sunday. Okay, every Sunday growing up, and then I ended up, you know, working at an Episcopal church as the the sexton for like ten
0: years. (laughs) Well, how did you? I mean, were you? you, So you were pretty church going. Did you play music there?
1: I did. uh, I did some like youth stuff. When I was fourteen, I was in a punk rock band, and my punk rock band did a thing at school, and then we got our. (laughs) We 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 were not very good. What were you called? I, I can't even remember. I think there was, there was one point that my, my band was called, like, Fill In Your Own Name. We thought we were so edgy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh,
0: how, how does, how does your, your father, the priest, is he, is he, he's a priest at that point, right? Yeah, When you're, yeah. When you're in a punk rock band? Oh, yeah, absolutely. How does he feel about that?
1: I, he, was, he was like, I mean, if that's, if that's what you're into, as long as you're, uh, as long as you're making your grades, you know, you're free to do whatever you want. I mean, it was really weird. I remember being six years old, and I remember always being a singer, but I remember being six years old and, and, and seeing Purple Rain. And, uh, and telling them that what I wanted to be was a rock star and it wasn't going to happen if I didn't get an electric
0: guitar like Prince. Wait, so Prince, <laughs> at that point, your idea of a rock star was Prince and Purple Rain? Yeah. Okay. Especially the last scene with the white guitar. Oh, of course. When he's actually
1: singing Purple Rain. Yeah. That's, the, that's, oh, yeah. that's a rock star.
0: <laughs> so... I mean, my wife is Episcopalian, and she grew uh-huh. up Episcopalian. We got married in an Episcopalian church. Did but you get married at Christ? Yes, we did. Did uh, David do that? Yep, David McGinnis. Right yeah, David's absolutely. Good man. David,
1: uh, David was a lawyer when uh, my dad was in Huntsville, and, uh, and he went to seminary shortly after that. He's
0: a good musician, too. Yeah,
1: he's, he's pretty good. I've jammed with
0: him. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you jammed with everybody in Tuscaloosa. I've jammed with a lot of people. Yeah, thereabouts. But, <laughs> yeah, but I know that the Episcopalian church is pretty open-minded mm-hmm. about that kind of thing, in families... Uh, I mean, it can go either way, obviously. Any Protestant household mm-hmm. can be strict or it can be open-minded. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. But w- would you say yours was more open-minded than strict?
1: I think, looking back, I felt like the teenage years, I think everybody feels like they're being oppressed. But I don't think there was anything more strict about my household than than any other. You're a priest kid, so there's a certain amount of acting you have to do anyway. Right. Because every Sunday you're at, you're at church, and everybody's looking at the priest family.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> they're okay with you listening to Prince, right? Yeah. I mean that's pretty edgy stuff for a
1: That is pretty edgy stuff and I think that the like it was it was you know held back like I think I saw like the last, maybe like the last 10 minutes of Purple Rain, the part where like, I don't think I saw the actual, like, uh, like, like the father killing himself and the, and all that stuff. I think I saw like the, the, the the actual song Purple Rain when Uh I was six years old. And I think I remember enough of the soundtrack, but I didn't own it. I wasn't allowed to have it because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of really weird songs in that soundtrack. But I remember having, I think I had the single Purple Rain maybe. I can't remember. Maybe my brother had it, but I remember owning it. Around the same time, I owned all the Weird Al Yankovic records,
0: like on vinyl, <laughs> that were out Weird Al- at that on point. vinyl? Yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: And I listened to them on a Fisher Price oh, record player. Oh, man.
0: That, that's probably how you should listen to a Weird Al record. Yeah, maybe. On a Fisher Price record. That, that's well, insane.
1: They, someone, I think Trey Erby. Trey Irby is one of my favorite people in yeah. town. The musicians in town do not have a louder cheerleader than Trey Erby. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he loves him some Tuscaloosa music, that's yeah. for sure. And you know, he definitely puts it out there.
1: Yeah, but, but I think he said something on Blaine's wall about Weird Al Yankovic.
0: <laughs> hey man, <laughs> I, thinking, I, I think man. yeah, I think our generation anyway g- all grew up listening to Weird Al at, yeah. at some point. Or yeah, maybe. mine was when he had the the Nevermind cover oh, spoof. Yeah. That was the cassette that I had, you know, and I would listen to that on road trips and all those ridiculous spoofs. Well, he did two Michael Jackson parodies. Bad Eat fat. it in fat. Yeah. <laughs> he had the fat suit in the video. Yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was, it was br- brilliant. And I hate you know to use the word brilliant for Weird Al it, but it is. Yeah. Like I, I hadn't seen him in a while a few years ago, and I mean he's he's just as ridiculous as ever. And I saw a video and he was singing Yoda set to the Kinks' Lola. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, Weird Al still got it, man. I and he, you know, he did. I think the the, the the Ti song, whatever you like, and I think it's called Whatever You Like, but. Instead of being, you know, frivolous with his money, he's like super cheap instead, yeah. you know, but he's spoofing T.I. at like 50, <laughs> I don't know, 60 maybe? I don't know how old he is now. Oh, man.
1: But. He's not young, but he did like his first couple of records, I remember there's like, uh, there's these polka medleys yeah, that, are oh, yeah. all that, that are all, that uh, are all classic rock songs, but they're just like, they're just like polka style, like. Da, 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 yeah. Da, da, da. yeah i didn't and he's get doing it like day. hey joe and stuff yeah. like that it's brilliant though. it is like and it's it's like it's comedy like in a in a very real organic way but it's like it's polka music and songs you know and yeah, and yeah like played really well but just <laughs> hilarious
0: yeah back then like when i was a kid i remember you know because i i could identify like the nirvana spoof or the coolio spoof or whatever and i would want to listen to that because that was the popular thing but then you'd see like on the on the track listings it'd be like the polka song and i remember thinking like i don't i don't get this yet you know <laughs> i don't i don't understand it i'll skip the polka thing for now but going back and listening to it it's arguably the best thing on a weird weird owl Album. Oh yeah,
1: and it's like it's like he does it's like he does the uh, the parody stuff just so that he can do the the polka medley, like because his show I think his show like I saw a, a DVD a uh-huh. Weird Al DVD and he did like a lot of uh, like a surgeon and, and, and like a lot of the weird a, a lot of the weirder parody songs and then does the polka medley and the polka medley is like easily
0: the most elaborate part of the entire show. So it's like a one for you, one for me. Kind yeah. Of. <laughs> <laughs> so. Before you got the courage, I guess, to try the punk band thing, mm-hmm. were you listening to a lot of punk? What made you zero in on punk? I
1: think it wasn't, I don't think it was It was so much that I was into punk, it's like, because uh, I mean, cause I you know, like kind of like bluesy singers and, and, and stuff like that, And but I like the rock and roll, and I liked, uh, I liked Pearl Jam a lot at the time, because I just sang in that band, and the guitar player in that band said, this is a punk band. And you know we're angry. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. Uh, you know, brooding rock star thing. We're gonna. We're, we're gonna be angry. And I was like, I just. I just didn't have a frame of reference. So he gave me his copy of, uh, of of the Minor Threat CD, and I was like, man, this really is angry. You know, this is an angry, angry music. Could you get there? I think I could get like the performance, but I. But I could never like really be that. I don't know. Were you a screamer? I try I tried the screaming but my voice is real low so the the screaming just kind of comes across. It just doesn't it, it doesn't do the same thing. And plus you blow your voice out so quick. Yeah. So that didn't last very long.
0: That probably lasted 2 years. How do they maintain like punk singers? How do they maintain their voices I, know, during I guess shows? they just I know their shows aren't very long
1: either. Yeah. I mean, I've seen punk bands play 15 minutes before. Yeah. The Hell used to be like a 15 minute yeah. show. Yeah. Oh, The Hell were great. And they'd play
0: like 20 songs in 15 minutes. Yeah, cuz all the songs were like less than a minute long. Yeah. That that was a
1: brilliant band. Those CDs, those recordings are just, it's like listening to. Schizophrenia It's
0: awesome I'd love to see another Hell show Phil Man and it's man not gonna guy.
1: happen That's the thing about it Cause I mean we grow up Like real quick Not that Johnny was like All that young When, when he was doing uh, Johnny Zell was, was doing the Hell He was a few years younger But he was still in his 20s
0: I've still got the Green Beret cassette That he did I don't know if oh, you remember yeah, that Green group. Beret That man yeah. was rad That was a long time ago Yeah man. Yeah my brother went to like John, uh, Elementary school John Horton him. was in that band All, I, the all I knew was Johnny Zell
1: Yeah Yeah Johnny Zell well Johnny Zell had that like anti fraternity oh, yeah. the Johnny's. Yeah. So that was those were some good times. That was cool. a lot of good parties. There were a lot of good bands going around.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and when The Hell was going, there were a lot of good bands going around too. That was a real that was a heyday, I think, for Absolutely. local music. Because he was also you in the casual see, but, observer. Yeah, and, you know, The thing the-
1: about you could see bands like that at like B Radley's where Nimi's yeah. top shelf is now, yep. um, and uh, Xs where Icon is now, and, yep. and there'd be like three or four band bills on at bars like that that had like you know regulars and and uh, and it wasn't just like a like like an indie or punk rock scene. It was just like you know a bar where people went after work to have a drink. Well, was Xs the <laughs> all ages place? Excess? No, excess was uh, was just a, like a, trying to cash in on the chucker closing bar. What was the What was the all
0: ages place that just lasted for a few minutes that people were kind of into? I mean, there's always been. There's not, that place not, in, not, Were you talking about that place in Birmingham? Oh no, no you're no, talking no. about Swayze's? Not Swayze's. And it, before it was Swayze's. Oh my god, I can't believe that's where forgetting. the Alcove is right now. Yeah, it? exactly. But it, it was Swayze's. Oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting this. It's the something. But where it was just this room that. This person had leased, yeah. and I remember the night it opened, there was like a five-act bill, you know, and those kids got in there, and they just ripped it up. I saw this kid. They tried to do this, like, mosh thing. They were just kind of glad to be there, the fact that there was yeah. an all-ages place, and one guy got up on another dude's shoulders, and as soon as he, like, raised up, he busted the back of his neck on a fluorescent light bulb, <laughs> and it just shattered all over oh his back, God. and blood is just going everywhere. I'm like, okay, I guess we're doing things right, Yeah. you know? For this kind of place, it was during like an Abbey Go Go set or something.
1: Yeah, but the kids
0: they don't know what, they they
1: don't know what to do with all that energy.
0: So you were also into rap too, right? Oh, I really like rap. Still into it?
1: Yeah, I like watching rappers, the good rappers like Phil Robertson, Fly. He's just started coming to open mic like every once in a while. He's he's real good. But you know his brother's a really good musician too. Jamming with people like that, the Green Seed, I really like them. But, I mean, I like really old stuff, too. Like, Big Daddy Kane's probably my favorite rapper. Someone said something about being damaged, and I immediately started singing that last line. I was at work today. Like, just, I immediately started singing that last line of, uh, of Mama Said Knock You Out. Like, damage. Oh, uh, damage. uh I love that song.
0: Yeah. I've always loved that song. My earliest memory of Big Daddy Kane, I think, probably, it was that he was in this movie Posse that came out. Yeah. You remember that? Like Mario <laughs> yeah. Van Peoples? Yeah. I remember yeah. on the cast list it said Big Daddy Kane. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, I, think that, I don't know. That would have been one of the first times I was like, whoa, rappers are in movies, too. Yeah. you know? T-Pock was right. in a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. Juice. Poetic Justice. Oh, yeah. Above the Rim. He was Good stuff. A, he had yeah. quite the filmography. So... You got into rap. You got into punk. you were starting to listen to. it, You're starting to broaden your horizons. You're in your punk band. So when when do you start moving on into what is a version of what you're doing now or what you have been doing for a long time?
1: You know, I always liked southern rock and country stuff too, but I was always kind of afraid of it because it wasn't quite like nuts and bolts as accessible as like bluesy and R and B type stuff was to me. And rock and roll definitely. Rock and roll has always just kind of come real natural to me, but. It, it seemed like there was like a challenge at some point. Like I just challenged myself. I was like, I need to really like learn how to play country licks, I guess, on guitar. Cause guitar is not. I mean, I was a singer first, and I, and and I, guitar was kind of something that came naturally to me. But I but I still had to work really hard to be able to. Because I'm 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 so scatterbrained. I just I want it to be I want to be all over the place all the time.
0: Yeah, but you're known as a guitarist, right? Yeah, like now I think so. I mean, yeah, people would consider you one of the preeminent guitarists in Tuscaloosa for sure.
1: Well, people, I mean, you know, people talk about the way I play guitar, but I mean, you know, I don't, I, I still don't think of myself as much of a guitar player as a as a singer.
0: When did you pick up a guitar for the first time?
1: I was uh, 13, 14. Yeah, and what were I you learning playing. how to play? Just like every lead on on the Jimi Hendrix Greatest. Did you the, teach
0: yourself or take lessons?
1: Um, I took lessons for a little bit. My my teacher got on to me because he he said uh, I never listened to him. I was always, I was just doing my own thing, and I was like, well, you got to do something. Yeah, I need I need some kind of leash, though. And he's like, whatever. <laughs> he just kept teaching me stuff, and I was. But it was like if you teach me one thing, it was like it would really help you to learn this. And then I'd be like, what? I already got I already got this. I already got what I wanted. <laughs> and I just want to jam anyway. And and in hindsight, I was. The whole time, I was kind of right, you know?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, is that how you... Like, like, I
1: learned music. I, I learned music in in, uh, in my 20s, like a, like for real, like a lot more theory and, and all that stuff. And, and I'm really glad I did. I learned how to sing a lot better, too, in my 20s from being in choir at Shelton State. And I learned all that stuff from him, and I skipped a lot of his curriculum, but I picked it up on the back end anyway. But I mean, some of the ways that you, they teach kids how to play guitar is just wrong.
0: Why do you say that? Because it is... I mean, because... Mechanically? I mean, uh, they start with basic chords, and then...
1: Yeah, you start with chords, which is... Which, that's good. You gotta learn those. Yeah. You need to know them, but you also need to know that the, the scale exists, like, as a pattern throughout the whole neck, just the same way it would on a, on a keyboard. It's just a, it's much more convoluted on guitar.
0: So where do they go wrong? Where they teach after the chords or after the basic scales?
1: They start you teaching, they start teaching you like a, like a major scale in the, in the first position, like the first three frets. And then they start teaching you chords. And then they start teaching you the pentatonic scale, like the blues rock scale and, in these boxes, but the boxes are where I think that's where it really starts getting convoluted because it's wrong. It's all over the place. Like the, the open strings are a note, you know, the, the, the boxes are like the scale exists on each single string and it, and it exists together on, you know, two or three strings and in patterns and, and, and all over the place. And it, I think that when you start, when you start off teaching these little boxes, you know, you see kids who are still playing in these like boxes that you know, that they learned it in guitar lessons <laughs> when they were like 14. They're good frame of reference though, so I think that saying it's the wrong way to teach is kind of a terrible thing to say. But I think for the most part, you've got a whole instrument there, and that needs to be the, that needs to be the main focus. Do like you, it should always be in the back
0: of their mind. Do you teach guitar at all?
1: Uh, no, I've had people have asked me, but I've never had like a job doing that, and. I've never had a space to do it and I, I'd gladly take a student and I would teach, I would take students, but I just I've never been able no one's ever followed through with it.
0: But you would do it. You'd be I'd be will, to I'd it? be
1: totally willing to do it.
0: Is that something you want to do? Because it sounds like you say they're doing it wrong and you kinda of have an idea. It seems like you have an idea of what you would teach somebody.
1: Yeah, I do I guess I do have the benefit of, of never having done it before like an armchair quarterback type thing. Right. But I think that I could teach. I know that I could teach where, where I'm coming from. If you had any experience on guitar, I could probably take you, you know, to another level on it cuz I'm I mean I'm I'm a I'm a guitar player, but I understand like how how hard it was to to learn how to play the way I do, you know?
0: So, let's come back a little bit. When did you wind up in Tuscaloosa? Uh it was
1: 1998 or
0: 99. uh uh-huh. And how old were you then?
1: I was 20. Um, I'd spent like a year in Montevalli a year and a half in Montevallo, maybe? Did
0: you move here to go to Shelton, or you mentioned you were in Shelton. I was gonna go.
1: To, I was gonna go to Shelton, but then I, I came here and I worked and I, uh, I took a year off and I worked at Southern Heat Exchanger for a year. I'm trying to remember exactly because I went back to Montevallo for six months at one point, thinking I was going to finish there, and then I moved in with my girlfriend like right after that. And then I just took a few classes at Shelton, and then I you know finish those classes, and then I'd be like I just I gotta play gigs. And I'd play That's gigs. when
0: you started gigging.
1: I played well. I mean, I played gigs here and there all the time, but it's just like. Way more fun playing gigs than it was going to school. Yeah. Before I had a wife and kid, it was playing gigs was what I did, like, totally. And I, when I started working at the church and I could play gigs, I mean, I could, I could make a living that way. And when did you get married? Five years ago in July. Yeah. Milo was almost two when we got married, but we'd, we had, uh, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that everything was going to go well before we actually got married.
0: Right. And y'all had been together for a couple few years or we've
1: been together oh, we've been together about eight years i think
0: yeah and so you're a dad I don't know. yeah been a dad you said how old's your child He's now? six six yeah how's the past six years been has it's it flown been,
1: by it has been amazing i i but i mean you know i love being a dad more than anything there's not anything like being a being somebody's
0: dad you know absolutely i mean obviously i'm not there yet but I can imagine how it would just totally change things. It would change things for anybody. Mm-hmm. But especially for someone who is playing gigs and yeah. is playing music nonstop. Because you're done
1: until you're 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 not done until two in the morning. Exactly. And if he gets up at six thirty in the morning and he's hungry, you know, you don't get to go, Well, I'm
0: sorry, daddy had a rough <laughs> night last night
1: <laughs> And that's ridiculous. You gotta you gotta get up and be bright eyed and bushy tailed and get breakfast going and
0: And you just embrace that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about I'm all about losing some sleep for him, you know. Yeah.
0: But it's not about you anymore.
1: No, it's never about you.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> talk about a little bit about how that, once that happened, once you had your kid and that new responsibility hits you like, I don't know if it hit you like a ton of bricks, but I mean, when you go from playing late like that and you still are from time to time, you know, maybe yeah. not as much, I would imagine.
1: Well, I mean, there's still, there's, there's still some weeks where it's four or five nights a week. Yeah. And, you know, I picked up a pretty cool gig, uh, where I get done at about one thirty at scooters every Friday and Saturday. But I'm not doing that every weekend. I'm just having, like a, having this houseman gig for most weekends.
0: Yeah, and I imagine you're probably still doing it back then, too, because, I mean, like you said, playing gigs is more fun than going to school, and it's a way to make money, too. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, you really want to uh, have a job because you need the steady income. But while Lisa was, she was at DCH, and, and I was playing gigs and and, uh, and working at the church and... Milo's a little baby and it's just it's, there's like a whole lot of there, there was a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of figuring out to do so it was kind of like Lisa went back to school got her master's and now she works at St. Vincent's and and it's going really well and we thought everything was going to be cool and and wonderful and then you know she's pregnant again No, we're about to have another baby
0: wow congrats I know it's
1: awesome I'm really excited about it. But I mean, you know, it's it's another thing it's another thing where you have to start figuring it out. Yeah. And I'm probably gonna lose some sleep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you've been there before. Yeah, I know. It's not yeah. A
1: problem. Done. I feel like I should be about ten years younger, but it's all right.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I mean you it. age considerably considerably faster when you do have a kid.
1: I think so. I don't know if you age as much, it's just you just man, life just starts. Coming at you a lot faster
0: Well you didn't stop Playing music though And so yeah. that, that to me Tells Well it, it, I did my
1: best I did my I mean I did like I've had my best Like music years I think Since I've had a kid You think like, that's I a I put re- that record out and
0: So you think that's A result of having the kid
1: I don't think that I'd be as excited I don't think I'd have As much fire as In the in the plan You know As, uh, as, as I do Since I met my kid Because he's you know, he, he makes me laugh, like he makes me happy. He's got a, uh, he's just got a view of the world that I, that, that, that I wish I had, you know. He's just a, a lot of fun to be around.
0: It seems like it's the opposite for so many people where it's like, okay, well I have a kid, I got to give up this dream now.
1: But it's not like they have to stop playing music. You just have to figure out how you can fit everything in. And the kid's more important than the music. So right. So if I had to quit, then I'd quit. I mean, I obviously you would for your kid. Yeah, you'd yeah. give up anything.
0: But... Do you, is, is is it a thing where you just kind of have to sit down and say, okay, well, here's how I'm going to keep being a musician while mm-hmm. being a father? Or is it just, I'm going to be a father and whatever else happens, happens?
1: Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think that the, uh, the the initial conversation was, you know, you're going to be a dad now are you going to give it all up? And I'm like, if I have to, yes, absolutely. I will give all of that up. I will finish school and I will be like a music teacher or something like that. I'll do that, you know, and in, 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 over the course of a few years, if, if that's what has to happen.
0: But it's not that extreme though, right? I mean, no, you can work it in. Yeah. And you've been successful at that.
1: Yeah. And the thing about playing, the thing about playing music at this level is you can, you know, you can go play cover gigs, at, you know, wherever for just the fun of it every once in a while, if you want to, or you can, you know, drive at it and keep yourself alive online and run yourself like a business and go that way.
0: Well, one thing that you've said before, and you mentioned Trey Arby earlier. This is from an article that he wrote not too long ago. Your quote was, I'm older than a lot of the barroom guys right now who are doing what I do.
1: Well, you don't you don't have to... I mean, it's not like you have to... The guys that I play with at Scooters, uh-huh. the bass player, his name's Larry Morrison. I, I was like, so how old are you again? He said, I'm 63 years old. And I was like, okay. I... <laughs>
0: I got a long way to go. I did not know. (laughs) (laughs) but I mean is that something that you're conscious of now obviously you were at that point when you said that but I mean is that something you think about when you play I
1: I play with I play with some younger people like you know some younger people think like they approach being on stage with me much differently than I did with guys my age when I was their age and some guys are just I'm really stoked and some guys like kind of pull this uh some guys are playing more often than they were when they first started playing in town but they knew who I was from open mic and stuff and so if I'm on stage with them, they're like, uh, they look up to me, and I hate saying stuff like that, but like that, but but they like, uh, but the, you know, you can tell, and they're just kind of like, they're just kind of like really, really excited, and just this look on their fa- like this earnest look on their face.
0: Like, so, you I'm are just- teaching in a way. <laughs> I mean, in a way, look, they're younger than you, so you know, you're going to be able to impart some wisdom on them, yeah. And I know that I've got that, I know that I've got that open
1: mic, and that. There's a certain, i mean, there's certain things that I do. Like they, you know, they laugh at me when I'm like, they're like, "This is a song about blah, blah blah," and I'm like, "Stop, stop telling stories. Stop <laughs> it's not VH1 storytellers."
0: Telling stories in between songs. Yeah. Right? You want to let the song tell the story? Your, I don't want your banner. You got
1: ten minutes. Go.
0: <laughs> I, I would imagine people are coming up to you like at the open mic or in other bars at gigs when you're not even playing, asking you for advice and stuff. Do some they?
1: Want to, yeah, some people want to talk about stuff. Yeah. A lot, I mean, you know, a lot more. The years go on, and more and more people want to want to talk about it. And the advice is always the same: tell them to tip their bartenders. You know, and you tip your bartender when you're done with your gig. And you know, you uh, you got to play you, you got to play some happy stuff. It can't be all about you. You got to play some stuff that's not the mood you're currently in. You know.
0: You ever get fatigue?
1: Like tired?
0: Well, not tired in like, general. I mean, like not
1: at a gig. Three hours of that. playing.
0: I mean, yeah, or, or just like a long period of time, like you said, when you're playing like five shows a week, you're spending maybe four out of five of those in bars. For any musician, I'm sure touring can get tiring or playing as much as they do. But I mean, obviously, it's doing what you love too, and you wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Yeah,
1: I played like five or six gigs a few months ago, and there's just like that one, like five or six gigs, like in, in one week. This is a few months ago, and I told my wife like after the third one, she was like, Are "You gonna be all right this week?" Like. You are right, old man? You know, just kind of like messing with me. And I was like, baby, I am going to be so awesome at guitar on Saturday, and I'm not going to be able to sing anything. Like, my voice is going to be gone. I'm going to be great at guitar. Well,
0: you, you, it seems like you'll play with anybody, though. Oh, so I mean, absolutely. Played with, Like we mentioned before, you've played with so many people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I lo- and I love it, too. Like, guys who are younger, guys who are older, guys, you know, who, who uh, I mean, Cat Mountain's a lot of fun to play with. Yeah. And um, some people didn't. Didn't really know what to think about her a while back, and I and I always thought, man, she's just a really good musician. Why is it? Well, it's a no-brainer. She's she can sing, she can play guitar. What do you
0: mean they didn't know what to think?
1: They didn't know how to they didn't know how to place her because she's kind of like jam bandy, and and er, obviously everybody's playing acoustic guitars at their duo gigs and stuff. I don't because it's I can't make them sound right. I can't make those like acoustic electric thing sound right so I just bring my electric to every gig well
0: it seems like too they might not get it or understand it because she's a girl she, she's a woman and you don't really see that very often in Tuscaloosa either
1: but I think that's kind of an I think that's kind of an ignorant way to be. But, oh, absolutely. But there's there's something about her that's so much different than uh than, than some of the guys around because she likes like she likes like that you know jam band stuff and she's real well versed and like she's a, she was a keyboard originally. Mm. Oh yeah. So she's got like some really strange voicings on guitar. She doesn't play with a pick. She's got like this. She's got this like crazy like like slap type yep. guitar style. Yeah.
0: But uh, what I mean by that is that. Y- she, I, I interviewed her before, and she had talked about it, being a girl and playing, in like just kind of like this guy's world of the local this boys music club scene. thing. Oh, it's kind of like
1: you should, you shouldn't be like, you I mean you shouldn't be like that. You should, you should embrace everybody for who they are, and their their differences are just as just as cool as you know all the other guys' similarities. I mean, when everybody started playing Avett Brothers songs, you know, it was like, come on, <laughs> <laughs> we just got, we just gonna grab from this one pool. With these acoustic cover gigs, though,
0: you play what you want to play, or you play what people want to hear.
1: You play songs that people know. But you don't have to play the same thing that's on their iPod in their truck right now. Right. You know? Because, I mean, I want to play a Waylon Jennings song. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm just playing it because someone else wants to hear it. I really do want to play that Waylon Jennings song or that Prince song.
0: And they're going to listen to Or that Elvis
1: Costello song. And those three songs in a row like, are kind of like a you know, manifesto in and of themselves. That's three artists, that's three genres, and that's three completely different things. And that's what you're getting
0: right now, you know? Well, say you play that, you know, and you play what you want to play, and something that music fans would appreciate. Mm-hmm. But you play those three songs in a row; they don't go over with the crowd. Kind of a quiet response. Do you switch it up, and you have like a go-to where you get alive enough up the room quick?
1: You got to get, you got to keep talking to the crowd. You got to ask them if they're having a good time. You got to, you got to talk through those situations. But you, you kind of go like, "Y'all having a good time? Y'all all right?" You know, and you hear like one or two "woos," and then you just kind of go, "All right, well." <laughs> Does that get you going? It's, that would, yeah. And it'll just, be like, it'll just be like a full room, people just talking at tables and stuff. Woo.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that do it for you when you're up on stage. That's, that's all you need. Yeah.
1: As long as y'all aren't having a bad time. Right. I'll just keep. I'll they're just keep. They're not throwing stuff at you. No. Yeah.
0: You ever had anything thrown at you? Any any nightmare gig like no, that?
1: No. Guys that you know will come in and, and mess with you, and you'll do the same thing to guys when they're on stage. But but it's that's in good like, fun. Yeah, it's all just goofing around
0: yeah what, what's a nightmare gig to you though? I mean it's probably different than people throwing stuff at you, just things going wrong or you know playing a quiet room no response I don't know. People's
1: histrionics when they when, when they're like really upset about about you not playing songs that they know uh-huh. like something we know like that red face like screaming at a band like play whenever that candy. happens, it's always like one person yeah and and and, and, it's, and it's always it's always so much more fun to watch that one person. <laughs> Like try to like turn the crowd against you. Yeah. Like, where do you think you are? <laughs> it's like a heckler. It's like a heckler. Yeah, stand up. And so you just kind of just don't acknowledge them, and you're like, look, man, I'm sorry, I don't know any OAR or whatever. I said, that that band was like the, That band was like the most requested. Band Ugh. for like four years, and I and, and I and I still I think that I might have heard one of their songs. Did it
0: make you think? Okay, maybe I should learn an OAR song. No, not if they're once. gonna clamor for it this much. No,
1: it made me want. To, it made me want to never listen to OAR. <laughs> You're and not getting any them. OAR, dude.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't know who they are. I'm, I mean, I'm in my late 20s, you know, and now I'm in my mid 30s, and I'm and I'm still kind of like I'm not. I'm probably gonna play some Hendrix and they, some they're, so they're Nelson not. They're not
0: screaming like you know skrillex and rihanna at you now
1: that's weird because there's there's people who who will cover like pop songs like on an acoustic guitar and if it works for you then you should absolutely do that like you should absolutely play the pop song ironically to make everybody laugh but at the same time you know kill some time in your set to get the crowd on your side a little bit because people know all those goofy uh pop songs so, I mean, why not play them hilariously, you know?
0: Hilariously, the but there are people who play them seriously, too, though, there, around town, right?
1: There might be people who play some pop stuff seriously. But, I mean, for the most part, I think they're playing... If if they're going to be, like, really serious about stuff, it's going to be, like, 90s rock stuff. Uh-huh. Like, the cover bands that are playing, like, the... I don't even... Are those guys still around? I don't even know anymore. There's, like... there's like cover. There were, like, cover bands who, would like, dressed just like the... And right. I don't, know was like, 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 I, I don't know that genre very well, so I don't want to make fun of it. But, right. like, the... But like the like the nickelback type rock oh, yeah. bands, you yeah. Know? Yeah. They'll cover that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think and they were really around. popular for a while. Yeah. Those cover bands were... And it's not like they were bad musicians. I just didn't know anything about that genre of music. Right. Because my whole thing has always been like, you know, beer drinking, you know, blues rock, country rock type, like cover band type stuff. Bar band has always been kind of like the, the cover band situations I've been in.
0: Yeah. As long as you play guitar, I mean, do you feel like you obviously have a pretty good handle on the instrument mm-hmm. and you've mastered it to some extent? I don't know it. I mean, you can always learn more.
1: There's a long way to go. You can always
0: get better, right? Yeah. But I always wonder about folks at your level when it comes to an instrument. What about studio gigging, like studio time? Have you ever done it? And I mean, has it ever crossed I your offer, mind? To...
1: I offer it all the time. If somebody needs a guitar player on something, then I'll be I'll be there because I, I love I love doing stuff like that because my part's always over in like five minutes, and it's you know it's it's like real fun and it's always there. Like I'm on Size First record and I'm on some stuff, but. I mean, it's it's here and there demo type stuff. Yeah. There's some I mean, I've I've spent some time in studios and it's been it's been fun for the most part. If I ever lived in Nashville, I'd, I would take that part of of the of my career a little bit more seriously. But I know that I can do it and I, and I and I like doing it. But I think that me trying to find my voice on guitar has been the has been the journey I've been on so far. God, that sounded awful. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, ever lead me into that. Into uh, it sounds that sounds like chapter one, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But. You haven't gone to Nashville. You're here, and yeah. you have no plans to go to Nashville or any place like that to seek work like that out necessarily.
1: I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have to be in Birmingham sooner than later. Yeah, but I'll still be here playing. Yeah, because I like I like playing in, in this town. i the town that I played in the most, and it's the town that. You know, kind of let me be who I, who I wanted to be, and kind of figure out how to make that you know a real thing, like right. a real show.
0: And you've been here what about fifteen years now? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and you're happy here?
1: I'm real happy here, but you know, I'll be happy in Birmingham too. Yeah, I like my little house and my kid, and my wife, and the other kid that's on the way. Yeah, who everyone keeps saying is going to be a girl, but we don't know until you April don't know 24th. yet. No.
0: Yeah, and the, there, there's a Bachwise song that the namesake is related to your son, right? Yeah, they named the song Milo. Uh, how do you like that? I mean, when you when, when they did that, was that, a, was that a shock to you? Did they tell you they were doing it ahead of time? Milo was a baby baby. And they
1: were, uh, at, they were uh, writing a set list for their show that night, and we were having a beer uh, at Egan's, me and Adam and John. And they were writing their set list, and they said, what's that song called? And Adam was like, well, I don't think we ever named that song. And John said, well, why don't we name it Milo? And I was like, aw. <laughs> and then I told Lisa that, and then she started crying
0: started and crying like, yeah,
1: she got really she she gets really emotional about that song <laughs> she wants them to like anytime she gets a chance to see Bakwa, she wants to uh, she wants them to play Milo oh, that's a great song it is a really good song yeah I mean it's it's not about him it's just named after him
0: <laughs> no I would hope it's not about him yeah if you listen to it yeah it doesn't really yeah. sound like it would be but i always thought that was really cool because yeah, yeah it's, it's an awesome song it's an awesome name for a song too
1: yeah and if you look at like bakwa's uh track list their their songs are typically not named after the subject matter yeah there. but they're really cool names though yeah toothbrush yeah. fraggle like yeah stuff like that oh yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah rookie mistakes yeah 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 but talk real quick about your latest album shit's crucial is track seven. Oh yeah how'd it go were you pleased with the response
1: man people have been listening to it and telling me all about it the whole process of making that that record was a lot of fun so i mean anything that anything that happened response wise was great but there was like a review in the tanning hill trader like mark hughes cobb you know who sat down with me and had a had a for real real interview for from you know t news and there's been a ton of good articles about it and i'm really excited about the way it, it went but the thing about it was just the, the whole process was so much fun. Like recording that live song at Green Bar with all my friends, man, it was it was just it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect.
0: Goal of yours, like heading into that? I mean, is that something you would to do? That's what me and Brandon talked
1: about when we when we said we were gonna make that record. Brandon Walker, you know, said, We need to make this record and you need to record that song. And I said, Well, I can't do that song unless it's live. And so that was just kind of the whole thing. We'll get the rest of the songs done, and then we'll do that one in one night. And we did it; it was awesome.
0: Well, and so Ham Ham Jam Jam's coming up.
1: Ham Ham Jam Jam 5. Fifth year. Yeah,
0: yeah. What's in store?
1: I'm not. I haven't got. I haven't booked everybody yet. But you know what it is, right? I just play with a bunch of. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. All um, weekend, right? Yeah, all weekend. All, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's been the last like couple of years since yeah. the since we can drink on Sundays again. Since. <laughs> <laughs> since the law was passed we were allowed to drink alcohol on Sundays hey an extra day of Ham Ham <laughs> yeah I mean uh, there's some younger guys well I mean the Narrative Wells are playing which is going to be great but some younger bands like, like Blackwater Thieves and stuff they're young aren't they yeah they're youngish I guess I think of the younger bands as like they've been around for a couple of years now, haven't they Blackwater Thieves a band called Looksy. who else this is why I should have written everything down I just couldn't get everybody I couldn't get everybody confirmed. Electric Man said that they were gonna do it. There will probably be a handbag me in the siege set of some sort,
0: my original songs. Yeah, what would the siege look like this time?
1: I don't know. Every time every time that band plays, I always want always wanted it to be anytime I get a chance to do a handbag me in the siege show, I want it to be tremendous. But Brandon Taylor, who was playing bass with me for so long, was always like, Why don't you just do the three-piece band? It sounds so good and blah, blah, blah. But I'd like to have like two electric guitars, and maybe Cap Mountain playing some rhythm and singing harmonies, and a bass player. And I, I, re- I really like the idea of having two drummers. <laughs> what? How would that huge. work? Yeah. It's just yeah, a big, big sound, a lot of volume.
0: So, uh, how many incarnations of the Siege have there been?
1: It's been a few. There was like the first like three years. I had the same guys. I think it might have been about three years, and then uh, Risher was with me the longest as a drummer. Tom Richer was the drummer for the longest. But in between that, we had like three or four different bass players. And then he moved to Austin recently, and Michael Ray pretty much took over whenever that band plays. But that band doesn't play a whole lot.
0: I want to challenge you to do something. Okay. In your fifteen years since you've been in Tuscaloosa, uh-huh. name as many of the bands as you've played in <laughs> or been a member of. Um. Okay. Counting the siege. There was Forty
1: Nine Ninety Five. There was Groove Exchange. <laughs> oh
0: man, this
1: is bad. I, I, there's no way I could I, I could really say that I was in bands that I just like jammed Well
0: with. there's the neer The wells
1: ner- the ne'er-do-wells the I was trying to think of it in chronologically. Uh, neer do well's okay. handbag me in the Siege, Blaine Duncan and the Lookers. And I guess uh, you know, other than that, like playing guitar for Cy for a little while and yeah. and uh playing guitar with Cat, and
0: So like um, ballpark figure maybe like ten. Maybe. Some, something like that. Yeah. A lot
1: of different duos and trios and stuff. The richer Snowden Bagby Galaxy Star <laughs> Battle Fleet. Do you remember that El <laughs> Rincón
0: House Band? I, I, I was. I saw a show. I saw a show. And yeah. wasn't there like a little little drum set too. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yep, at El Yeah. during Happy was, Hour. That was good stuff.
1: Thursday night Happy Hour at uh, at El Rincón. Oh, it
0: packed out, dude.
1: Billy and uh, and and Tom and I would uh would play that gig and then we'd be booked like downtown somewhere else and we'd see how fast we could break our stuff down and get to the next beer and have uh, get to the next bar and have a and have a beer in our hand like how <laughs> how how long like the the record was like 11 minutes or something I thought that
0: <laughs> was, I thought that I thought that was cool when they would have live music at Yeah, like, I thought it was right like, you know they would have local bands like I remember you remember Eamon Ellis do you remember he was in the Great Big No and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he was in this band called Charlie and the Thronsons Yeah 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 yeah, that. they yeah. played O Ring Cone too. I they that. played O Ring Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah,
1: I loved it. I loved playing there. That was, I mean, the best part about it was that it was Hales Tavern before yeah. it was O Ring Cone, yep. and we used to play on that stage every Monday or Tuesday night for Songwriters Night, which was their version of open mic, which is where I first started playing in Tuscaloosa. And so when Hales shut down, you know, we were sad that we were never going to play there ever again. And then somebody like called me. And said, you know, I need a guitar player for this. Uh, I need a I need a singer more than that, but I need a guitar player for this gig. And <laughs> it was just like, oh, okay. And then uh, Risher was the drummer on that gig. And then that guy, the other guy, quit. And then Billy started playing it because Billy just moved to town. Then forgot about that. Billy lived in Auburn most of his life, and then he moved here from Auburn. And then we started playing this house band gig at El Cone every every Thursday night. You know, we've known each other longer than I've known anybody in this town. <laughs> And he moved here. We were living together, and he's like a kind of kind of bitter that he's in the that that he's across enemy lines because he's lived in Auburn his whole life. So he's an Auburn fan. Yeah. Oh man, that's got to be brutal for him. I know. Yeah. He moved here, and we started winning football games, Yeah, especially. <laughs> yeah. These <laughs> past few
0: years must have been pretty rough. Though. Yeah. I know.
1: You got one in there though. Yeah. Yeah. You got one yeah. in there. Remind me. Sandwiched in between two Alabama championships, but still three. Yeah, three. Yeah.
0: No. So. Ham ham jam jam. When's the date? May twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and twenty sixth. And we'll put who all's playing in the post that we're gonna.
1: Right on. Put this in. Man, I still I'm I'm I I do this every year. Yeah. I think like I think you know man people are like I really want to play that and I'm like man that's awesome. Golden Monica's playing. I forgot. Golden oh, they're Monica. good. Yeah. They're yeah. Killer. Real good. Gold Monica and Near are were probably playing on the same night. Yeah, I uh, saw them open for the Polly's. They were great. Caleb's great. That was the Bangtail Cats, basically. Yeah. Back yeah. in the day. They work a lot
0: around Burt Lee's schedule. Awesome. Ham, thanks for doing this, man.
1: Man, I had a really good time. Yeah, appreciate
0: Anytime. it. Anytime. I, I
1: appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I
0: wanna be in the Texas oh, Hell yes, I do. Oh, right now, i about you? I'm to all the say. I play the toilets, I strip and whack.